0: everyone, and welcome to our podcast show, Ladies with Chapters, where we empower, engage, and inspire women to live, love, and embrace their lives and chapter stories. I am your host, Shemaine.
1: Good afternoon,
0: ladies and gentlemen. Today, my guest is Miss Shan Rose. Welcome to Ladies with Chapters. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, Miss Shan, I know we only have half an hour to talk about so much things to talk about, right? But we're gonna try to compact a lot of this information in there. I'm here for so her. You mentioned to me that you are Caribbean American. Which island are you from
1: now? The beautiful island of St. Lucia. My family was in Castries.
0: So, okay, okay. So we got some Lucia in the house mixed with mm-hmm. some Bahamian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. You are the CEO and founder of Change for Community. I am
1: Change for the Community, nonprofit organization, started back in 2019. The big focus is mentoring youth, but I do a lot of community outreach. Okay, so tell me some of those community outreach that you do. So last year during COVID, actually, uh, roughly over 300 seniors were getting weekly meals delivered to their house. I'm understanding that there was some financial issues and there were some, you know, concerns and they're all traveling. Did COVID vaccine vaccinated almost 14,000 people? When the three-month span started in March and went straight through to June, we went everywhere from businesses, to the nightclubs, churches, to community centers. We even went to some people's houses.
0: That's so. just to get them vaccinated. Yep. Through a your report. program. Yes, ma'am. That is awesome. That is amazing. You are doing a lot of great work in the community. You work hand in hand with the police department. And you are up for, you're running for election for commissioner. That's correct. City Commissioner District 5 this November. So, election is this November. Yeah. And do people still have time to register for election? They can.
1: They can register up until October 4th. They can up- update. What's in- also important is updating. You know, people have transitioned. Some people have moved from one apartment or one housing to another. So, it's important to update your voter registration to match your address. A little bit about District 5, it starts in the downtown area on Rosalind. I mean, it goes westward. It encompasses most of the high-rises in downtown. Paramore, Ivy Lane, Mercy Drive, Malibu, New Malibu. It stretches a little bit further west, and it encompasses the whole Kirkman from Old Winter Garden to Conroy Road. And then it goes a little bit more west, and then it comes in Metro West along Hiawassee. So it's a huge district. There are some spotty areas in between, but the majority of those communities within are in District 5.
0: So basically, if you are in the District 5 area, you still have time to elect Shan Rose for Commissioner District 5.
1: The election is November 2nd. Early voting starts October 25th and it goes to October 31st, like an election day, November 2nd. Awesome. Awesome. That is great. Now,
0: let's talk a little about what got Shan into wanting to take on being a, not only a smoke person, but do all of these marvelous things for the community. Does Shan still live in this area? I do. I live in the
1: Paramore community. and. It started as a city employee. So I used to work at the city of Orlando in the economic development, first for the CRA DDB, which encompasses Fairmore. And then I moved into the permitting office and then I went back. But for me, it was, you always hear the, the line, the, the low income, low and moderate income communities, they don't care. I'm like, mm-hmm. every community cannot not care. There's got to be something to it. There's got to be more to it. And as an employee, I realized, People are just t- sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yes. Like I've sat as a I've sat as a resident, and now for me, I'm actually a stakeholder. Like I'm a taxpayer, so I want to ensure that if we're not tearing down the community. We can we're not you know we're taking care of our community and there's an upkeep because the more code enforcement and 911 calls, those depreciate value. So for me, it's like, what does it take and what's the issue? I mean, as a regular resident, I've fought for things. I mean, years. Uh, most recent project that I can say I could put a check mark next to. There's a park called Zero Raleigh Park, but they built an apartment complex with 109 units, which you can average two to four people per unit. Yeah, I'm about four five hundred people potentially. Four to five hundred people with a park across the street with no safe way for them to get there. So back in 2019, I fought for speed hunts. So it took two long years, but we finally got the speed humps. But It's an understanding of why some of these communities deteriorate. It's because you get tired. Like I shouldn't have to, as a person, take away it being Shan, take away anything else and just put me as a regular person, not a community leader. But if my request is for the safety of the community, it shouldn't take two years of me nagging, hey, what about the speed bumps? Hey, what about the speed bumps? Hey, what about for it to, to become into fruition? So for me, it's how do I become a sounding voice for the people? How do I remind them that they are someone and how do I remind them that their voices can be heard? Let me just show you how, but let me also remind you, you're going to have to be persistent and persistency is the key. Some people are just, again, sick and tired of being sick and tired, but I can rejuvenate that. Sometimes you need that burst of fresh air and you're like, okay, now let's roll up the sleeves. And I mean, we'll use the most recent election, whatever the party lines want going to look at it. It was like, okay, we have a new president, some new fresh air. Now we can like say, what is it that this person needs or that person needs? And now we can hold people accountable, yes. which for me, I think is the big part. So, yes. so I, it's just a matter of making people, for me, it's getting people more engaged. That's what has me so engaged, especially our young people.
0: That is great. And I'm hearing, like you said, you, if you're going into it, you have to be persistent. And you have to want to fight for the community, and obviously it sounds like you went in there with the perfect mentality because you need those along with every other quality to fight for the community. Yes,
1: my saying is always you have you can never lose your compassion. Yes. That's the biggest thing because people could you could be passionate about anything else, but having that compassion, having the feelings, the emotion, the actual empathy for everything going on and not just, oh, because this is my friend, I'm going to make sure that my friend is always yeah. good, but mm-hmm. how does a collective unit and the collective yeah. community, not just one portion, not just one pocket, how can whatever we do benefit everyone?
0: That's, that's great. And I know all of this stem from somewhere, right? What made Shan want to fight for her community?
1: OK, so let me give you a little bit of history. I am originally born in Brooklyn, New York, uh, relocated to Central Florida, Pointe area, went to Pointe High School, graduated as a junior, and then uh, went off to college. Said, OK, let me go to Valencia and get my two year degree. Well, I graduated high school as a junior. so for me, it's like, OK, I'm grown now because I'm no longer in high school. And so I took that mentality and said, OK, I'm going to live on my own. What they didn't teach is the fundamentals of budgeting and saving when you're in school. So yeah. I didn't quite understand like a paycheck means you have to take a certain portion. For the this? Mm-hmm. For rainy days. Portion, right. For rainy days as well as just you like living. Yes. So I, I lived as though I was still at home. So it was okay. I can go out and eat when I want to. I can go wherever I want to fill up on gas. And I didn't get that quite budgeting thing. So I felt homeless. Um, I was a teenage homelessness. I have two younger siblings. I have a little brother and a little sister. And for me, I would say that they're my motivation. I realized that I wasn't going to go back home because I felt that, you know, you feel like a failure. You go back home, you're a failure. So, but I had to make sure that I can push and never let never let my brother and my little brother and sister see me struggle. Sure. So yes. I pushed through it, still continued my degree. I was homeless. Sometimes I was in a car. Sometimes I was in a hotel. If I can muster up the money, I can go. And then I finally got back on my feet. Along the way, um, fell in love, got married, started, you know. Living the American dream, you know, white picket fence, so to speak, and children. First pregnancy, early miscarriage. But second, I had a stillborn, seven and a half months pregnant. So it's it's a lot. I was young. And so I was like, goes. we're going on this tragedy line. We tried again and had a baby boy. We had a baby boy. The day before my son turned one, my husband was out with some of his friends at a nightclub. And he was walking outside and he was shot and killed outside of the nightclub. In that moment, life changed drastically for me for a few reasons. I didn't quite understand what I was going through and what I, like, at the time. I didn't, I, I couldn't process it. Because you were young. Mm-hmm. I was extremely. So I don't know what, like, fighting, you know, you call the detective and say, hey, have you heard anything? Have you seen anything? But I kind of got the brush off. kind of got, like, you know, your people, because he was a Caucasian detective. Like your people don't care, so it's not much we can do because without them, you know, you can't testify. But I didn't get that at the time. That's so I didn't come across. Correct. I just, I was like, he just didn't care. My son fell sick, the son that I had with my husband, and it's called something. It's pseudo obstruction of the bowel, which means his stomach bloats, but they can't figure out what caused it. Okay. So we spent two and a half years in and out the hospital, in and out the doctor's office. Try this medicine. Let's try this. Let's try that. And Everything is a trial. Correct. Like we're like the the lab rats <laughs> that you see on TV. And um, after a while, the constant like trials and the constant inflation of his stomach, he passed away um, suddenly. There was like no. He was on a ventilator, or his his organs just, just like that, just all shut down. So life. Changed like in an instant because, and I'll be honest, I barely two and a half years later, I had barely gotten over my husband's passing, and so now to lose my son it's like okay, I like here's a fork, and I don't know what fork in the road to go oh, down. Um, yeah. I I won't I've be transparent. I contemplated suicide because for me it's like that's a hard like it's a thing that I wouldn't ever wish on my no. horse, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone at all because. There are times now, I mean, it's been seven years. There are times now where I can go somewhere and just the instant memory, I yeah, can be somewhere. It right back. It does. And so, and then there, like my husband, my husband died August 4th. My son's birthday, well, our son's birthday was August 5th. And then my husband's birthday is August 6th. No. Yeah. So August 4, 5, 6.
0: August 6th, is a tough month. It doesn't yeah. matter how many years pass those memories will always be linger on for you.
1: Yes, ma'am. It's, I don't know that, you know, there was, everybody has a different thing about death. And I'm like, you never get over it. Like, don't, I would say, but you find coping mechanisms. It's usually my time where I will pad my calendar with a whole bunch of stuff. So I don't really have time to process what's going on, to process my feelings. And then I'm so tired by the nighttime, I don't have to think about it in the night. And then, you know, you find yourself just over the slump and over the hump because you're so busy. And then, you know, that's what I, that's how I've been, how I've coped. And I'll be honest, I mean, I've gone to therapy and I would recommend anyone go to get the therapy because it is someone who can give you those coping mechanisms. It is someone who can show you where you may be making bad decisions, you may be making bad choices. So that was a turning point in my life. At the time I was working at the city of Orlando, I had just gotten, actually, I had just gotten a job within like 30 days of um, me getting a job. And I'm like, so for me, it's like, wait, God, is this the new chapter? Like, it was really oh puzzling. I'm like, is this the new chapter you want me to start? Because, yeah. God, what a way. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I ended up um, pregnant again. So okay. I have a son now. He's, okay. Seven. Okay. he's six, about to be seven. Um, so God said, "Okay, I'm giving you new beginnings," and yes. I'm like, "Okay, what are these new beginnings?" Yes. I'm yes. like, "Okay, yes. this is a lot of new beginnings that yeah. possibly all at one time." Um, I had a very, 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 very rough pregnancy, pregnancy. for a lot of for a lot of different reasons. reasons. Some relationship, because again, like dealing with uh, the loss of a child in the process, yes. Yes. so it was a very, very rough pregnancy, relationship wise. Health-wise, it was a lot of emotions that processed at once. But he was born happy, healthy. Same, awesome. I I That's great. But at the city, I picked back up education. Um okay. I said, okay, well, I needed again, I needed something to keep my mind busy and occupied. Keep I your mind going without thinking about all the correct. I, so I started my bachelor's degree. My doctor told me I was crazy because he's like, You're pregnant, you're you got a lot going on, but But yet I, you I, want to you deep yourself. Like this? <laughs> exactly. So I started my bachelor's degree. I was almost done, actually. So it wasn't much work I had to do. I finished my bachelor's degree in 2015. And I was at the city of Orlando. We were starting a program. We started a few processes. Um, One of them was called the nighttime economy study, where we were looking at nightlife. And what does that look like? So for me, going through the motions... I realized that was my aha moment. It was God was using me then to at have that moment money. to protect yes. other people in the nightlife. Yes. And so I didn't like I'm like you didn't like, see I, it. When I, I, when I say I at eight slept and drank wow. this this implementation, if there were nights I'd be out at two o'clock in the morning. We were outside serving what downtown looks like, what you know, all the issues and the concerns because most people don't know opening the downtown at the nighttime is not just you just put up a police barricade. It's like, it's a lot of processes. You know, you have to, how do you get the nightclubs to come together? How do you, you know, if you put one person out of one bar, letting the other bars know, hey, we just put this person out. Just, you know, just as an FYI, letting police know, making sure where the most crowd is, that there's a law enforcement officer, figuring out a good method of what time to close things down, figuring out, you know, it's a lot to manage. Yeah. And so most people don't know that. But it was in that moment, I realized God was using me. Using
0: you. <laughs> okay.
1: Wow. Okay, I see look, I see you up above.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I continued to allow him to use me. I was shortly after the implementation of the nighttime economy study was approved, we went into the I moved to the permitting office. it was a promotion, I got a master's degree, moved to another area, but I said, I'm gonna continue my education. Yeah, so <laughs> I went back. Then mom now said, I'm gonna go get my master's degree. Okay. I'm going to set a bar so high for my brother and sister, and now my son, that, you know, some families are like, I never have that. Like, who in my family's been to get a higher ed- education? So I'm like, I'm going to set a bar so high.
0: You got to break that high. barrier. Correct. And you got to awesome. break that, you know, that mediocre mindset. Awesome. Correct. Go on.
1: So started my master's degree, went into the permitting office, and it's a transition. So. Yes never been involved with permitting it is the beast of the pit of safety and communities you have to pull a permit and people don't know this even when you switch out your ac you have to pull a permit like everything except painting in your household you're supposed technically speaking you're supposed i mean there's a few the cosmetics like you changing like from linoleum to the tile yeah. but you're supposed to because Putting in new doors and windows, we want to make sure that you're getting certified doors and windows. When you put in a new AC unit, it needs to be certified, and we want to need to make sure that your house can hold those wattages. So, like, everything you can think of. Changing the toilet, we need to make sure that you put it back on properly so you don't have any incidents and accidents. So, permits are pulled for everything. And, I mean, I worked on some of the largest projects you can think of in downtown, from um, a high-rise, 28-story high-rise building to, you know, somebody switching out their kitchen. Yeah. Well, while I was doing my master's degree, I was understanding the full circle. So, how a government should work versus how the government is functioning versus how do you make the the, the life the life cycle of economics go? Yes. So for me, I had to like remind staff like the longer we hold on to permits, somebody's without a job because it takes someone to switch out a toilet. Oh, mm-hmm. It takes someone to build a new building. So Mm -hmm. the longer we sit on these permits, let's figure out how do we find a happy medium ground when people are pulling permits so that people can the the life cycle of economics can turn and the wheels can keep going and someone has a job, et cetera, et cetera. So I crazily enough became a union member and a union steward. And I said, I'm gonna go fight the good fight of the people of the city of Orlando. (laughs) And if there's no stopping, you just yeah, let's love it yeah, let's keep on fighting the good fight if you don't know what a union is unions a lot of people don't like them but unions were put in place really and truly to protect certain classes of citizens that some organizations may just not want in their in their okay. in their um their place of business okay so for me it was we negotiated we negotiated the best contract that i think in my opinion we could say we had in a long time um, we were the first union to unionize and make it mandatory that every city employee within our union receive $15 an hour over a three-year span. So everyone went to fourteen, 13 the first year, 14 the next one, and then 15 So everybody, effective October 1st, this year, everyone should be making $15 an hour at the city of Orlando. Most positions, most of them, they are making more than that, but there are some that you had some people that were getting 19% increases because you had to adjust. You had, yeah, to, you had to bring students. it out to the car. Correct. Okay. Right. But then more specifically, there were a lot of there were a lot of equitable employment opportunities that we put in that contract. So we had where you can't just in some organizations, you may have a friend and you may say, I'm going to change this job description so I can promote my friend. Right. So okay. Made it where you had to let the union know. And I mean, it's simple things like that that most people don't realize are like real life versus. One person over another person being able to get a job. Because if I walk into an organization and when I first walk in, I determine I want to be this manager in this level, I study what it takes to get there. Some people are like mm-hmm. that. I'm going to study it. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to map out how do I get a wow. degree, if there's training, whatever that looks like, certifications, mm-hmm. I'm going to map out in my life how I get there. But what we were finding is they were changing it to make sure that, you know, they're wow. just to suit that individual. Wow. So there was a big fight. I could say it was rewarding, but it it was a wake up call that I had to sit back and realize this is bigger than what I thought it was. Like if I'm fighting for the community and I'm fighting for the employees, well, there's got to be something wrong in this equation because there shouldn't be a fight in all aspects. I started my non Well, I started my organization because I my change for the community actually has two split folds. Well, there's a profit and then there's a not-profit. Okay. For profit is consulting because I do a lot of consulting with okay. a lot of different things, from helping businesses restructure their organization to just there's always something. How do I you know how do I start a business? So okay. I do that so I have that and then the not-for-profit. I've gotten bikes. For, I've got bikes. For my mentees. We've been to games. We've been all over. But living here in the Paramore community, we have three large venues. And you'd be surprised that a lot of these people haven't visited these venues. Wow. We have a soccer stadium. We have the Amway Center, which is the most basketball. Sometimes they have wrestling the concerts. And then we have Camping World, which is a lot of different things. Monster Jam is usually the signature, and the classic is usually the signature events there. But people haven't visited those. Like, they live in them, they're walking distance, and they haven't. So for me, it's like, how can I empower the youth and some of the adults as well, to say, there is more to the community. And how do I build back pride? How do I unify
0: people and building back that pride along the way? Shan, that is some great work that you are doing in the community. And I'm sure, like you mentioned, the people who live there, a lot of the youth, these, you know, you have the basketball, you have campaign world, you have Amway, you have all of these things there. And They live in the community but have not visited. What are some of the things you are doing to get them to all so they can feel like they don't only live there, but they are a part of the community? So unity
1: and pride is big for me. We have a large population of renters. And so you have to figure out what that happy medium ground is. I tell people like I have two neighbors and my neighbors are both homeowners. They own their home. We have different needs. So it's really like meeting people where they are and saying, how can I help you help yourself? What would it take? But the biggest piece of it is education. You have to educate people and let them understand, like, although you may not be an owner, that your lifestyles and your behaviors negatively impact the community, which along the line negatively impacts taxes. Correct. So if less tax base is coming into the community, then there may be less opportunities to do things. You may not be able to see more parks. You may not be able to see more sidewalks because there's not a strong tax base. So education is the big thing. What is reminding people like we live here. Let's figure out what a middle ground looks like to be happy. What does it look like that we can be comfortable? And again, it looks different for everyone. Uh, For me, the youth. Funny, I started off with the youth because it's such a large commercial area here in Paramore that you have such a transit, you have people going to the games. So you have people that don't live here. They just come to visit. They come, you know, they'll drink, they'll eat, they'll throw their papers on the ground. So for me, it started really, truly started off with litter. It's like, okay, let's pick up some trash. And it became more than that. Like, it's literally, it's spiral because I don't believe when I moved here to Paramore that that was a goal. It was, God said, this is where I want you. I didn't get it at the time. I will admit I cried a little bit because paramour is not what you see on TV. Paramour is what you hear about in the news once in a while. It's not the pictures that they show you, it's the shootings that you see, it's the homelessness that you see if you're here. So it was a transition. It was, you know, in the heart of the unknown, so to speak. You don't know if they're not, because I wasn't born here. So will they embrace me? What does that look like? You know, this is a new transition. But Going to the neighborhood association meetings, I realized like these people care. Like I don't care what nobody, no what anybody say behind those city hall walls. They these people they care. care. Yeah, but it's reminding them like there's an out to where you're going. There's there's an opportunity outside of the negativity, but we have to we have to get there together. We can't let an age and see determining what that looks like. Because that determination, a lot of times, sadly in some communities, and I'm gonna use a word that most people don't like,
0: it creates to gentrification because yes. they bring in the things that they see fit, but not the people who are there and who need safe. Correct. So
1: I started with the youth, we were picking up trash. It was literally every Saturday morning to get up, eight o'clock in the morning, we go pick up trash. Really? Yeah, yeah. That was literally how it started. And I was like, mm-hmm. the only way I can build pride in them and I can unify them because, you know, you live on the South end or you live on this end, and you live on that. And these kids are divided within a community. Yeah. So I was like, the only way I can do it is by doing something that benefits everyone. Of course you yes. reward them. So for them, it's, you know, give them a couple dollars or take them for something to eat. Yeah. But the times that I would be like, okay, cleanup is done. They're like, okay, Michigan, Miss, Miss where are you going now? And I'm like, Oh. A basketball game to go later. I'm going home, but later. On, okay, what are you doing? Have to go home. I'm like, oh, I might be going to a bas- a basketball game, a soccer game. We've never been to those since. I'm like, wait, what? Are you serious? Or I I'm, yeah, I'm serious. Or I'd say I'm going to. You know, some of it I may be going to. I'm going to Altamont. I'm going. We've never been there, and it's like, wait, what? And so it was a shocker to me, and I realized in that moment, God said, "I'm using you again." And just hold on like this is one you're going to have to really put your seatbelt on. If you never put your seatbelt on, put your seatbelt on a brace because I'm going to take you in places that you've never experienced and you've never been through. You've never been to. Um, I I mean, I grew up in New York. Yeah, it's a city. But then I spent a portion of my life in the suburbs. So being back in a different type of city. Environment. Yeah. Right. It's like, okay, but I loved it. Like, again, I went through a time in my life where I didn't have any, I didn't know, I didn't have anyone mentoring me. I didn't have anyone holding on and saying, this is what I need you to do. or this is what I want you to do. So that became my, okay, this is the aha moment. Okay, this is what you brought me. Okay, God, now it's all starting to connect and I'm connecting these dots little by little. This is what you brought me in Paramore for. Because I didn't know. Like, I, I will never lie and say, well, I knew what I was coming here for and I had a goal. I didn't. I literally... And I tell people, be careful and be very specific when you pray. You got to be ready for it when you pray. Very, Mm -hmm. very, very, very very, very (laughs) specific in how you pray. Because it was, God, now that I have a child, I want to own a home. I like God. I want to be a homeowner. I want to, you know, live the American dream. I want to try this all over again. And I was like, okay. When he said prayer, I was like, oh, yeah, let's. Let's talk about this. Like, and I'm it's, like, literally, okay, big man, come and sit in this chair right here. And I was literally, I was with God,
0: like, God, come on now, what parable? This is, yeah. Wait, yeah. um, you said something that really made me. I was thinking as you were talking, and I actually took myself through it as you were talking, and I totally understand, and I really get it because, like you said, what you went through, you were young. You had, you experienced the death of your husband. Then later you experienced, your, you know, the losing your son. Couldn't figure, his little body couldn't take all the trial and error that they put you, you know, put him through. And then, you know, and you got that job. You work on that project. And it took you right back to the scene of what he went through. Now you're working on you know, on a project that you have to now picture yourself, what it is like, what it feels like. what. So it, it was you. you the one who needed to be the one where you are because you experienced that. You knew exactly what it felt to get that call that you lost your husband coming out of a club. Where is this club? Orlando is the downtown area. Who would be the best person to understand and change what is needed. So when you say that God did it, I can attest with you and say that he assigned this, that everything I felt like it was lined up through him for you, because you couldn't see it and you didn't understand it, but he knew.
1: It's funny because as I'm sitting here, I'm getting chills because I, it it was, and, you know, now when my children go through something, because they're my babies, when my mentees go through something and they call me or their parents are going through something, I'm like, okay, here's a resource for this, here's a resource for that. I mean, I had one, it was actually right when I started mentoring them, the baby died of six, and she went into shock. She didn't know, she was, it was a shocker to her. And I was like, okay, would I need you to do like a few things first, because you know, DCF gets involved with any child's death. Like that's instant. That's automatic. There's nothing you can, there's no two ways about that. So I'm like, you know, pull yourself together. I'm going to help you cope through this, but you have other children. It's actually six other children. And I'm like, you You can't run for them. You've got to be extremely strong for them now because they're going through this as well. And you have to make sure that you don't lose yourself along the way. You know, let's find some therapy. Let's go to counseling. If you ever need somebody to talk to, but I didn't get it. Like. When you go through things, like it is a test for some sort of testimony or being able to be there for someone else. And it is, you know, from the nightclubs, like you said, from the nightclubs to just the community aspect of things. I despised law enforcement for a long time because for me, it was like I had a detective who didn't care. But I later learned while I was in the with them doing nighttime economy study, I got a like in-depth, inside look at law enforcement. And I get it. So, even if they caught the bad guy today, if you don't have a witness, you don't have a strong case. So, it's one of those situations where it came back full circle. And now I'm in the space of educating people, unifying people. Because, again, if there's something that you don't like in your community, it, re- it could be regardless of whatever. It could be you just don't like a store because of the way they're racially profiling their customers, or it could just be little simple things. But I learned like, what does that look like to educate people, having those reports, building those relationships? I just did a, a couple months ago, we did a community policing implementation. Like, What does it look like for law enforcement to engage in the Black community? And it's not what people think it is. But sometimes you just have to get to know people. You know, I, I tell people education is the key. When you come into a case, the situation about law enforcement, ask for cards. It's just the yeah. little wow. things, because in the moment you are you you engage yourself and you arm yourself is the right word you harm yes. yourself with those tools it makes the officer like how are you know to ask me for my card but it's the little simple things because you put a little bit of you put a little bit of fear in the minute that you ask for a card they don't know what you're going to do with that card so it's being able to educate individuals if you feel like you're done wrong in any kind of situation always walk away with can I have your card yeah. You walk inside of a inside of a store. You on, on a you call customer service at a Sprint. Can I have your name? Can I have your ID number? Because it's in that mm-hmm. moment you you put fear in that person because they
0: don't know what you're gonna do with that. And education is important, so it's almost like knowing your rights. You mm-hmm. have the rights to ask those questions. So if there is something. In their minds, have to go contrary. They're gonna want to. They're gonna know right there that okay, she already got my name, so I'm gonna go by the books. I'm gonna do this right the right way. I love that. And Ken, you have been through a lot. You have. I mean, used. And I love the fact that you have used your experience. You have used what you went through. You have used all of those chapters of your life. To it hurts. It's painful, you know, their memories, but I love the fact that you actually took it and you are now doing something on a positive side to empower, to educate, to step in, in that area where is, that is so needed, right? And I know that there is another chapter in your life that is, you hold there to your heart. About your mom, yeah. So Let's talk grandma, a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So I was about eight. My grandmother, she cancer. Okay. And she decided she was going to take the natural route. And she had my mom had me young, so my grandmother, and my grandparents were my parents because my mom worked. My mom said, "Okay, I'm going to you know still provide," and so she worked. So my grandparents, you know that they were my parents. So. Okay. It was a rough point for me because it was a transition. It's like, okay, she's not the strong person that, you know, who I grew up with, who I, you know, I've seen as a baby. What I would take away from my grandmother as being my my mom, she worked for the government. So growing up, it was always, I want a government job because it was, was hard. Right. It was like, cool. Okay. Well, this is what having a government job is. She got a short salary coming in. Exactly. You got a short paycheck every two weeks. You got this, you got the good benefits. Yeah. Yeah. So she was, you know, that was my prayer growing up, you know, and the fruition. I I did end up experiencing that, but she got breast cancer first. She decided to go the homeopathic way rather than going the chemo way. And the cancer was aggressive. So it spread to her lungs and it was in that moment it was like okay well you there's no homeopathic at this point you've got to go full on you've got to go into chemo um Mm -hmm. I watched her struggle and it was hard for me because again this is the person that I knew and I didn't like quite understand it so for me I felt like I was being an adult in that moment because I was like taking care of my grandmother I have to help her help herself no matter what that looks like um Her body couldn't sustain, and she passed away. So a big like hole was in my heart, and it, you know, I people with cancer hold near and dear, and but the friends and family that I do know, or people that I consider family that do have cancer, they already know. They pick up the phone and they say, "I need, I'm okay. Stop everything I'm doing. I listen. I have to cancel this meeting because." This person with cancer over here called me and I've literally done that. The like level. I dropped my son off early to camp wow. one day because somebody really, really posted that I can feel like a community mom. She needed to go to a doctor and say, okay, you're going to, you're going to camp early because I have to make sure I get to this doctor's. Wow. So cancer is a big, is, it's a big thing for me. Um, but it isn't a wound that I'm quite ready to open.
0: Like okay. it's, it's got a band aid. And Mr., you would, you know, you focus on your fight now. And that is your area where you are. You're fighting for the community to educate, wanting to make sure that they feel a part of the community. And I can tell you, you are doing a hell of a job. Thank you. Yes, Uh, you are doing a great job. So with that being said, Shan what advice will you leave for our actually before we do that let me ask throughout this whole journey what is the most rewarding part for you a project being completed <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and that's the honest truth it's another like I love another, that like <laughs> enjoying something there's so many projects like uh Paramount is the only community that has a crossing guard at every major intersection okay i had to like advocate like this is a did that happen on your watch it did back in 2018 when the school opened brand new middle and elementary elementary middle school opened up and there were crossing guards at certain intersections and I had to like go to OPD and I'm like you do realize that this is a very dangerous community when it comes to traffic like we have games here we have activities here and so you place children in harm's way because if I'm coming in, I look at most people that don't live in the area that go to anywhere and visit and attend an event. They're on their GPS. They're on their phone. So if my GPS is this, I'm not looking like, and I'm, it's not everybody, but people aren't paying attention to the traffic. They're paying attention to their phone and what Correct. GPS says is going on. And they're excited about, you know, getting to point, point B. So it was, let's increase the safety for our children going to school. Let's make sure that they have crossing guards at these major at these major lights because they are major lights. It's not like they're on, ev- but they're on every light, which is on almost every corner because this is a predominantly commercial neighborhood. So that was it for me as well as speed humps at the school. But it's important because people were flying through. So right, it's the reward. Like those are rewards for me. Like that's what makes me ha- what makes me happy is the safety of others and the happiness of others is what I can say. Okay, I can sleep tonight. But I know when I wake up tomorrow, there's going to be something
0: else. Because, you know, yeah. you fought for it. You, you you put a good fight out there. And to see it happen should obviously put a smile on your face. That is great. That is great. So what advice will you leave with our listening audience today? And that can be from your experience. It can be from you going into, you know, you have a task at hand, Right. Commissioner, you know, are full commissioner, right? And so just take it from there and give us give us any nuggets you would leave today. I'm gonna do a few nuggets. <laughs> I love nuggets, drop it. <laughs> right.
1: So the first one is make sure your reg- voter registration is up to date. We live in District Five, City of Orlando. Vote search for Sharon Rose, vote for Sharon Rose. On the life aspect, keep fighting and don't stop fighting. And it doesn't matter what aspect that is, whether it's you have a child who's having problems in school. You have to be the continue to be the voice. Whether you're trying to open a business, you keep fighting. Whether you're trying to get new sidewalks on your street, keep fighting. There is a reward and there's an answer to a fight at some point or another. You, you Fights don't just go in vain. They may not always go which way you want them to go. And I'll be honest with that. But a fight comes to a point where you will see a reward. And so just keep fighting, just keep pushing. And I'm very spiritual, so just keep praying. So that's my, what does it mean? What does it take?
0: Keep fighting, keep praying, and keep pushing. Awesome, love that. There guys, you have it, Michelle Rose. And she is up for the upcoming District 5 Commissioner. If you have not done so, register to vote. And early voting starts October 25th. And election is November 2nd. Shan Rose. Shan Rose. Awesome. Thanks for being on. I so appreciate your time. And I had a great time with you. Thank you again. I did too. And let's keep women power. Let's keep fighting. Let's keep pushing our communities forward. Awesome women from all over are finally opening up and sharing their chapter stories if you have a story we would love to hear from you email us today follow us on instagram and facebook at lw at yahoo.com or lwchapters instagram and facebook your story is yours no one knows your story like you do